Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing? I am uh, really pleased to be embarking on the next 100 shows. Here we are, 101 like the Dalmatians um, <laughs> or something. Um, and I didn't mention this last episode, but we have a new intro. I decided it was time to revamp a little bit the introduction and um, the music and that kind of thing. So hopefully you like it. Um, it kind of summarizes what we're all about here in a little bit more detail. And I think it's nice to have a little refresh and um just put it back out there what we're about and what the show is aiming to do so there you go I'm um well I guess also I feel I've been quite organized actually (laughs) I think recording last week's episode of 100 shows and really sitting for a moment and appreciating and celebrating I guess that achievement I felt really motivated to to get a little bit organized with podcast admin and start booking new guests and uh, looking at the interviews that we've already recorded that are scheduled to come out. And um, there's some really good stuff. It's uh, it's really exciting. So, yeah, I feel I feel like fired up (laughs) for the next 100. So I'm I'm really glad that you're back and that you are here with me on that journey. So today we are going into a topic I think that we have touched on a few times on the show, the importance of communication in so many areas of our lives, Uh, but actually also public speaking, which uh, is for a lot of people, (laughs) one of their top, top fears. And uh, it's something I feel like I'm better at now. Although actually on the podcast, I'm kind of hidden behind the screen. And at the moment recording this just sat Uh, at my desk in my kind of spare room slash study talking to myself uh, which makes it feel easier Uh, but we are joined today by Brendan who is an expert speaker founded master talk uh, which he'll tell us all about and so he's really sharing with us his top tips on public speaking the impact that really working on that area can have just generally in our lives and our communication generally and sharing his perspective on life and I I always find it really interesting to hear from guests to hear the way that they approach life and view life um, and appreciating the similarities and differences and I think with every guest that comes on there are things that I'm on board with and that kind of align with the way I live my life and some things that are different and I guess with every guest there might be things you say that you're like hmm (laughs) that's different and it it I think it really can expand our um, our own perspectives and our horizons by considering different perspectives and different ways of approaching life so I really hope that you enjoy this conversation with Brendan and I will be back super quickly afterwards. Hi everyone and I'm really happy to welcome this week's guest Brendan to the podcast. So Brendan, welcome and if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Of course, Hannah. Thanks for having me on. 
So yeah, my name is Brendan. I'm the founder of Master Talk. It's a YouTube channel I started to help the world master the art of communication and public speaking. How I got started was when I was in university, I used to do these things called case competitions. So think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were, you know, playing footy or cricket or rugby or some other sport that I couldn't fathom playing myself. What I would do instead is I would I, I would do competitions, but in presentations. And that was my life for three years. Presented over 500 times, coached dozens of people on public speaking. And I kind of just asked myself, what do I do with my life now? You know, I got, a, I got the money I wanted. I got the financial security. That's when the idea for the show came to be because I noticed that a lot of the public speaking information online was horrendous. So I started to make some YouTube videos in my basement. One thing led to another, and here we are today. Yeah, I love the idea of the uh, the competition for nerds because I'm I'm quite quite nerdy and geeky as well. Although I don't think I ever did. I did for a while. I was in like debate club for a while, but I don't think it's as big a thing here as it is elsewhere in the world. I, I also appreciate the, uh, the the British sports that you listed rather than. Um, I don't know. In 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 Canada, do you have kind of more like US sports or more kind of like UK sports what's I know ice hockey um being one because I when I, I went to Vancouver a few years ago and we went and watched ice hockey I I love that you caught on to it's the number one rule of public speaking empathy right so normally if I was on a US show I would have said oh you know soccer football you know but now for the UK I, I changed it up you got it it's a good catch good catch yeah, well, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know what sports I was expecting, but I was like, oh, football, rugby, oh, cricket. I think that's the kind of, you know, probably most British, <laughs> most British one in there, cricket. I don't. Awesome, and and I think, um, I think this is uh, still a true statistic or, or piece of information that public speaking is right up there, like our top fears. I'm not sure if it's number one, but it's pretty damn close to the top of being like our number one fear. Oh, absolutely. You, you're not surprised me the most, Hannah was. When, when I started doing these re- this research, I understood why, I mean, public school was a fear, it was a huge fear of mine. When I grew up in a city like Montreal, uh, I, you need to know French, you know, it's a required language there. And I didn't know the language. So my parents looked at me, they said, hey, buddy, do we, we got to send you to a French education system? And I just went, uh, what? So for the first life, like pretty much my, my whole education, since I did it in French, not only was I uncomfortable with presentations like everyone else, but I was presenting in a language I didn't even know. So when I was in grade one or grade two, I would just look at people and go, uh, bonjour, and try and figure out the rest. So yeah, I can totally get where people are coming from with this. So with your uh, your competitions that you were doing, were they, were they in French as well? Uh, no, that's a great question. So there is a French version called Jeux du Commerce, which is uh, commerce games in French. But the idea was uh, luckily for me in university i was able to switch back to english curriculum after so many years and that's when i was able to really master public speaking yeah because i suppose that's an extra barrier because and and i did french at school but not <laughs> wasn't taught in french just a couple of hours a week and my french is very patchy and the idea of just speaking it normally let alone getting up on a stage and trying to do some kind of public speaking presentation yeah, it would be quite daunting. I think maybe easier in your native language, but still still challenging. So do you have any top tips for us for, for public speaking and particularly around that fear of public speaking to, um, to kind of overcome those and be able to do it successfully? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'd say for the fear specifically, the audience should be reflecting on the following question. The question is, how would the world change if you were an exceptional speaker? So if you were a top one speaker in the world, how would the world be different? And if the answer to that question is just, uh, you know, like I would get a promotion at work, wrong answer. You're not thinking through the question hard enough. But, but by answering things like, you know, my conversations with my partner would be a lot easier to manage. The way that I interact with my children would be a lot better. I'm just throwing stuff out there. You know, the way that I interact with my teammates at a sports game or something that I'm doing will get better. Because we need to remember that public speaking has very little to do with presentations. It's everything. It's conversations, it's business negotiations. Every day you're always communicating with somebody. So by getting clear on all of those reasons why you want to master communication, makes it a lot easier to overcome the fear. And I'm a, the perfect example of this. I started Mass Talk on the age, at the age of 22. And I started coaching C-level executives at 23, which is like CEOs and stuff. So who the hell am I to make videos on public speaking? So what gave me the confidence? Not because I wasn't scared. I was obviously crap in my, you know what, when I was looking at those people who were double my age. But what got me forward was the message, the belief system that I had about how the world should be was a lot bigger than the fear. So the fear disappeared. Yeah. And I, I guess it's, um, you know, if you had to do a presentation or something that you're sort of like, meh, um, ambivalent about and you don't really care about and like, well, why am I here? That comes across in everything, doesn't it? In, in your tone of voice, in your energy and, and all of that. But if you really believe in what you're talking about, that passion comes across without you really having to think about it and there's something that, that I heard from from somewhere <laughs> which was this idea of, of confidence versus that kind of fear that we sort of have this idea that well if I was confident then it wouldn't be scary and it would absolutely be comfortable and fine which is not true is it at all that you and I'm sure that for you when you're you know so. if you're doing public speaking and you've got probably not at the moment, but like a massive audience, there's still going to be some of that fear there. It doesn't kind of completely go away. Absolutely. And just to build on that, because I get the confidence question a lot. What people get wrong about confidence is they think a little thing is going to solve their problems. Oh, you know, just breathe or drink a glass of water or just pretend to be confident. I was like, wait, what? That's solving the symptom, not the core issue. The key to mastering confidence is two parts. One part is prep. Obviously, if you've presented more times than other people, if you've done more cooking than anyone else, if you've done more jogging than anyone else, you'll just do better. But the other part, which is more important or equally important, that I'll be able to talk about is this idea of a belief system. What are you even trying to achieve with the presentation? If the reason why you're giving the presentation isn't strong enough or you don't find some sort of presentation that is strong enough, then the belief system won't be very strong and you won't be incentivized to do a great job. So like in my case, the reason why I do master talk is not for the people who can afford me, it's for the people who can't, which is 90 plus percent of the human population. That's what gets me up every morning so that I can create better content for them. That is what I believe in, the world, and, and that I want is like the 15-year-old who can't afford me to say, oh, like Brendan's a YouTuber, he's like famous and stuff, quote, huge quotations there. So he's just gonna look, so she's just gonna look up the content and watch the stuff. So because that belief system is so big, I don't care if I'm talking to a CEO who's 60, I'll coach them so I can use the money and make better videos for people. Yeah, and so I guess for, for people thinking about that, that if they're doing a presentation, 
and it might be my boss told me to or or whatever reason but to sort of think about like you said that belief like what is the purpose why why am I doing it what do I want it to sort of achieve to then have that in mind so when that that kind of fear comes up you've done the prep you just think well this is why I'm doing it this is the, the you know the, the purpose of it and uh that hopefully <laughs> get you through some of the some of the nerves and and all of that and and absolutely the kind of prep and the practice you know when I started the podcast and I'm not saying I'm an expert in any way but I've been going a year now and I've done a lot of interviews and when I started it's like what's happening and and now it feels much more comfortable it feels much easier to me because of that practice because of that time that I put in and hopefully that comes across but who knows <laughs> so and and just to build on that the the idea that I want to push is this idea that you're right about the purpose sometimes if you're at work it might not be great like what how do you find the purpose of this uh this project update how do you figure that out it doesn't really make much sense so the key and the advice that i have is you want to practice something outside of work something that you actually care about so let's say you take julia who works at a bank nine to five she can't really do anything at the same time she probably runs marathons outside of work she probably does something cool and fascinating so my advice is make a presentation around that because it solves a problem for somebody else. And then in that journey, what happens is Julia, the, per- the person she's presenting that presentation to, how she prepped for the marathon, how she got ready, what's her diet plan, all that stuff. All it takes is for one person in an audience of four people that are watching her to say, hey, Julia, you really inspired me today. I went for a walk. I went for a run. I went for a jog. And that's what's going to get Julia addicted to public speaking. So by focusing on that one singular presentation, that's the confidence you get from that one presentation, you can then reapply into your corporate stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess on the, on the flip side for that, if, um, if we know that doing these presentations can be quite anxiety provoking for people, if you see a presentation, you see someone talking and it does really inspire you, giving that feedback so that someone is then having that boost of, okay, wow, this did really kind of hit the spot for someone so yeah as the kind of consumers offering that feedback because I think sometimes we we put stuff out there and we might think it goes well and actually it can be really powerful to have that feedback of that really inspired me that really uh, motivated me to make some changes so yeah yeah absolutely I can give a super easy framework that people can think about as well in case people are still worried I call it the puzzle method so I'm sure you all remember you know, jigsaw puzzles, you know, those thousand piece puzzles you kind of piece together. So if I asked you, Hannah, uh, if you were doing that puzzle yourself with a family member or myself, which pieces would you start with first and why? Oh, I always start with the outside. So I get all the, the edge pieces and I make up the edge. And I like how you said remember puzzles, but I don't know if it's quite British, but we do a lot of puzzles still, <laughs> or I do anyway. So it's, um, but yeah, I, yeah, get the outside done first. Exactly. You're absolutely right. You'd be right to say that because it's just easier to get the edges right. So the question that we need to ponder is why don't we do that in public speaking? We got two days to give a presentation. What do we do? We start with the middle pieces first. We shove a bunch of content and then we get longer. Right. So what you want to do is in public speaking, much like jigsaw puzzles, start with the edges first. Practice your introduction 30, 40 times, even a hundred times if you have to, because it's one minute, right? It's not like 10 minutes. Practice your conclusion, you know, 50, 100 times. And that confidence, when you see yourself give an introduction, like, wow, I'm pretty good at this thing. And then with that confidence, that boost of, you know, love and energy, 
then tackle the middle. But the other thing that I want to mention is much like a thousand or 10,000 piece puzzle, who does puzzles alone? That's boring. Obviously, some people do, not everybody. Much like presentations, some people do keynotes alone. I don't. I'm a pro and I get friends to help me do the middle. Tackle the middle as a team. There's no rule that you need to do this alone, much like a jigsaw puzzle. So that's a good framework that people can think through. Absolutely. And and I I think from that, obviously, the whole presentation is is going to be important. But thinking about from an audience perspective, that introduction is probably the most important part because if you sort of fluff that up a little bit or it's not engaging, people kind of maybe zone out a bit and they're like, oh, well, this isn't going to be that great. But if you can have a really amazing introduction like you've got them some people probably still kind of daydreaming in the middle and (laughs) you know but that beginning and that ending are probably going to be the key bits that people take away or that engage them so I think probably the most important parts of a presentation just from the audience perspective I don't know if you would agree with that absolutely just to build on it because I love how nice you are I kind of push on that and say no 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 if your intro is terrible no one's going to listen to you I always like setting an ultimatum especially at work because they got 10 presentations the same day and they didn't want to be in seven of them, right? Or probably 10 of them. But the point is, remember that your pre- intro sets the stage for the performance you're about to get, for the presentation, for the teaching that you're about to share with the, with the team, whether it's key objectives for a project meeting or whether it's a topic you, you really care about. Ending's the same thing. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? A terrible movie. Same thing. Most People, when they conclude, they just go, yeah, so what did we learn today? Uh, yeah, so one, two, three, thanks. Okay. So the point that I'm driving is make sure your conclusion, your, your intro are so strong, so good, that inspires people that you could just present those two parts and be an ultimate speaker. And that gives you a lot more confidence to tackle the middle pieces of the puzzle. Mm, amazing and so you mentioned a little while ago that the public speaking obviously can be useful in our professional life but also in our personal life maybe in our relationships our friendships um, and just improving that communication so how do you sort of take that skill from hey I just did this I don't know I'm just thinking of TED talk type thing I've just done this talk on a stage and how do we distill that into our everyday communication and relationships that's a beautiful question. The way that I think about it is communication, if I were to simplify it, is it's a multiplier effect. If you master one, you all of a sudden become a master of all. So in the case of me, as an example here, when I started, I was really focused on just presentation skills for competitions. I was really, I was like, I need to get into the top two or three, if not 1% of all speakers in the world in that category. So I practiced presentations all the time. But what happened with, that I did not realize at the time is as I was getting better at presentations, my conversational skills started getting better. You know, tw- top 20%, top 15%, then that was going up to 1%. And then by the way that I handled tough conversations with all of the stakeholders in my life started getting better as well. So the way that we need to think about this is don't get lost in the noise. Don't get lost in all those different components because public speaking communication is like juggling 18 balls at the same time. Eye contact, ums and ahs and the like. So my advice is don't worry about any of the 18 balls. Just focus on one and then get the one right. Then you'll be at two, then you'll be at three, and then you'll look at your hand. You'll be like, wow, I can juggle three balls. It's amazing. And then you're off to the races. 
Yeah, amazing. Thank you. Because I think sometimes yeah, we can be overwhelmed with how many things we have to get right. And then that can kind of almost stop us from from doing it because it's it's too much. So I'm not even going to start. So yeah, if you can think about what is the most important ball to, to get right and then build on it. And I guess, I don't know, I don't know what all 18 of the balls are. But I think if you've got that clear message, like we said, and that clear purpose, that if you can think, right, that's the thing I want to get across, how am I going to do it? And then some of these other things come in. And for the podcast, I've got quite a clear message that I'm that I'm putting across. And hopefully my communication has got better, but I still um and are and still say, you know, so much. And luckily I edit, so I can cut some of that out. But also I think the kind of tone of the presentation and the thing is also something to think about as well, because for the podcast, it's relaxed, it's conversational. And if it was too polished and formal, I think it loses some of that, that kind of, I don't know, the feeling that you're trying to give, but a presentation that's really formal in a, in a competition or for work, maybe too much kind of relaxed, you know, you know what I'm saying kind of thing might not really hit the spot I, I would say the trick is always always do the harder thing right always practice the harder thing so so let's say client comes up to me and you and goes oh brenda i'm really worried at work you know there's a couple of executives that are gonna ask me questions about my presentation i said great this weekend you're gonna get the people you hate the most that are the most critical of your life that will drill you for questions for twice as long and 10 times more painfully so by the time they get to that executive meeting they go hey you know that executive meeting was pretty easy same thing. If you if you're if you're worried about giving a presentation that you haven't prepared for on a topic you do know, like a best man's wedding, or just something that you're really good at, then to practice, I'm going to force you to do presentations randomly that you have no expertise in. So you know, sometimes it's kind of crazy. I go up to guys and I give them weird words like tampon, and I go make a make a presentation out of that, and they just go, uh, uh, they start like ventilating, and it's great. It's amazing to see. It's magical. But what happens? is when they go back to their actual presentation, which is, I don't know, headphone manufacturing or technology solutions, they're a lot more comfortable. It's their lane. Same thing with women. You know, I give them weird words that I probably should name. And then after that, they, they kind of figure that out as well. Same, same logic applies. Mm. I suppose because with, with those, and it's, it's funny because anything like tampon and period related, generally speaking, there's that kind of like embarrassment <laughs> for men kind of talking about them and dealing with them. And I, yeah, I guess if you've done the most embarrassing presentation and I personally, you know, in my background, I'm a teacher and I've taught sex ed, I've taught all kinds of stuff. And so having those kind of conversations and presenting that um, it's like, whatever, it's not, it's not going to phase me um, because you know, I've, I've taught um, that I've, I've had to sort of, yeah, present on those things but one of the things particularly with um I worked at a summer school for a while and that was uh for children who were learning English and one of the things that we did for that was this kind of like verbal boxing so you'd give them a topic and they had to sort of talk for a minute on that topic and they're like facing each other facing off and like the first one to stop loses so they're just talking with nonsense and uh but it's putting them on the spot if I've got to think of stuff and I've got to come up with it and and it's um that one's maybe not so intense because they're not having to present it but I guess having that practice and being like right I've had to do a minute presentation on something I don't know anything about builds up that confidence because it's that practice that we were talking about yeah absolutely I, I completely agree it's this idea of as you practice you get much better like well the first time I 
was on camera, for example, YouTube, you just go back to my first videos and see I was uh, I was a hot mess. And I was literally in my mother's basement, you know, making videos with my phone. I had no money, no budget. But after 500 times of practicing on camera, you get a little bit better. You suddenly go from, oh, yeah, so, hey, guys, uh, my name's Brendan, too. Did you know that 45% and then you're off to the races or you kind of just learn your style over time? And one tip I have to get better like this is you want to do little things every day to get better. So with camera presentations, what I recommend is I'm not asking you to do a 10-minute video every day like I do instead or every week. But rather what I would say is take out your Instagram, go on an Instagram story, and just communicate a thought that you had for 20 seconds. Hey, guys, Hannah here. This episode's going to come out tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Done. Like, that's it. Or if you're not a podcast, you go, hey, guys, I just had this for breakfast. This is my thought. Done. You do that every single day for a year. You'll have practiced on camera 365 times. I think you're going to be getting somewhere with that. Mm. I think the nice thing with the the stories, and I've gone live on Instagram a few times because I think I've mastered the, mastered, maybe not the right word, but I feel comfortable with the sort of audio. And so I sort of was like, right, I'm going to get more comfortable on video. And I was doing some lives and I know for mental health awareness week, I was like, I'm going to go live every day. And the first day was like 10 minutes. And then by the end of the week, one day I was on for nearly an hour because I was just like chatting. And for something like that, you can see that people are watching possibly, but you can't see them. So I'm just like talking to myself, basically the camera or an imaginary person. You could imagine a friend in the audience, like I'm talking to them. And I think that kind of helps because I think if you had an audience in front of you, sometimes it's that you can see the people watching you and that can be something that unsettles you. But for me personally, that's something that helps with the Instagram live. It's like, I'm just talking to myself and, and then that feels easier. I don't, I don't know if that's a good top tip for everyone, but for me, it works. No, I, I totally agree with that. And this idea that when you're more live, and you're speaking uh, pretty much to yourself, it's, it's a lot harder to draw that energy. And I know a lot of people are some, could be scared of audiences. Let me tell you, as you get better as a speaker, your audience needs you as much as you need them. Because sometimes, there's a bunch of days I wake up, well, pre-COVID, obviously, and I would go up to workshops at like, you know, 7, 8 a.m., and I would just be like, God, like, ugh, I have my suit on, like, I don't want to be there. But then after, I meet one of the 15-year-olds in the workshop, they go, Oh my God, it's Brendan from Master Talk. They start talking about, blah, blah, blah. and I'm just like, oh, okay, this is why I'm here. Like, I'm actually here to make a difference. Let me, let me start, let me drink a cup of coffee and get my day started. Like, let's break the energy here because people need me right now. So that's the thing. But hey, I don't have that luxury if I'm on live. There's nobody running up to me and saying, hey, Brendan, I heard you were giving this workshop. There's just, it's just me in my basement. There's, there's nobody else there except me. <laughs> so, yeah. I think sometimes as well on camera, you almost have to be like more energy than you normally would for it to come across because people can't kind of feel your energy in the, in the same way. So sometimes it can feel a bit false to begin with because you're like, I'm really like going harder than I normally would so that it comes across um, with, yeah, whether it's audio or, or video, which, yeah, again, I, I think it comes back to that practice, doesn't it? Just kind of taking that chance, just trying it. And I love that idea of I'm, um, Probably not going to do it, I'll be honest, but I love the idea of going live every day and sharing. Oh, um, just to add to that, you don't even need to go live. It's it's more about just uh, like stories is just you just record for like 10, 20 seconds. So, yeah, I definitely don't advocate going live every day. It's very stressful for everybody. You just, you just open up stories. It takes like 20 seconds and then you're done for the day. 
Yeah, I don't know. There's something psychologically. I, I think I prefer the idea of live because it's just like I can't not post it. It's just out there. And then and it, it goes after 24 hours in the same way. But it's I don't know. There's something about recording it and then releasing it. I could kind of go, well, that wasn't very good. So I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to share it. But when it's live, it's just it's happened. So I <laughs> can't stop it now. Um, but yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, could just be me. <laughs> I wonder if you have, um, before I move on to my set questions, if you have a kind of final thought on public speaking communication that you'd like to share with us. Right. So, so the way that I, that I would see public speaking, I'd say the final thought is, if you have an idea worth sharing, learn to master it. But here's the punchline. I believe every human being on earth has an idea worth sharing because it doesn't need to be a YouTube channel on public speaking. It doesn't need to be a podcast. It just needs to be a a painting that you did could be uh, cookies that you baked. Could have been marathon that you ran. Everyone's got something important to share. Because for me, as long as one person cares about the idea and wants to hear from you, you have an idea. And the only way to reach a lot more people is to master communication. That's how you scale from one to millions. So master your communication skills. Amazing. Thank you. It made me think of, um, have you ever uh, listened to or read uh, any Alan Watts? He's, um was a philosopher. And there's some nice videos on YouTube of kind of him talking. And there's one and it was uh, similar to like you said, that idea of um, if there's something you're interested in, there will be other people that are interested in it as well. So whether it's the painting or the cooking or, or the running, there will be other people interested in that thing as well. So yeah, to, to, to find them and share it. I love that final thought. So Thank you for that. So I have some set questions. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on these. And the first one. Please do. Yeah. The first one is what brings you joy in your life? So many things, but I would say the biggest thing that brings me joy is perspective. I, I have this quote that I live by, which is perspective freezes from the chains of constant complaining. And I just, I just wake up every day and I look at the world and you know, what's happening. I don't really care if there's 10 viruses or one. I just look at life and I just say how thankful I am. I didn't lose my job. I have a great family. My my mom isn't nearly as stressed as she was a decade ago trying to make ends meet. And now she can just relax and garden all day. So lots to be grateful for. So I think perspective is what brings me the most joy. Amazing. I love that. Thank you. Um, and then my next question is what makes life meaningful for you? So that's going to be different for other for, for people. And my advice is to find your own definition of what that is, but I'm happy to share mine's. For me, it's about doing great things. If I'm not working 15 hours a day, if I'm not doing something cool with my life, I don't like it. Like I, I just rather not do it at all. If I'm being honest, it's just the way that I am. So the way that I think about it for me is as long as I'm working on important stuff, then I, I'm leading a meaningful life. But for you that's listening, that could be, hey, Brendan, I want to spend three days with my family every week. But my question, my response to that is why are you only spending one, right? So the, the key, and, and I guess the message to, to the way I live my life is to get very clear on how you want to live yours because it's by being very clear. And chances are that clarity is going to cause a lot of pain because what you think is a meaningful life will be very different from what everyone else around you thinks is a meaningful life. That's why when the more clear you get, the more bizarre that day is, the more weirder your life is, the more fulfilling it ends up becoming coincidentally and rather oddly enough i would say 
Well, I think that's that's great advice because I think we can pay so much attention to the external voices of what we should be doing and what our life should look like. And yeah, if you can really just focus in on what you want to be doing, it probably will be some weird and wonderful mix of stuff. Um, and that when you say to people, this is how I spent my day, they'll go, what? <laughs> what? That's like I am um, my morning this morning was originally it's, it changed like originally I was going to go and swim in the river first at like seven o'clock. We didn't in the end, but I was going to do that. And then I did Brazilian jiu-jitsu at 10 o'clock. And then we're doing this. And then I'm doing some editing. And so for some people, like, I've already lost them at the beginning. They're like, that's just weird. Like, I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to do it. But I found the things that work for me. And, yeah, absolutely. So I, I love that advice. Thank you for sharing that. So my next two questions um, are around our kind of general topic on the podcast. So the first one is, what does mental wellness mean to you? Right. So for me, mental wellness means doing exactly what brings you joy selfishly. And selfishly is the most important word. I don't work the hours I do. I don't think I don't do the things I do because it just because it helps other people, but because it benefits me. The end of the day, the person who needs master talk the most, the person who needs the YouTube child the most is not the people who are watching it. It's me because for without master talk, who am I? What is my identity? So, so my advice for people on mental wellness is simply figuring out the things that bring you joy, whether it's a mission or a purpose, or just simply to make things even easier, make a list of the things that bring you joy and do more of those things. Like for me, if, if I'm being candid here, some of those things include karaoke in eight different languages, dancing alone in my basement. So I have many dance parties in my house. So I can't go clubbing anymore, which I hate because I love doing that. Just dancing for seven hours and not drinking, of course, but just going crazy. I can't do that anymore, right? So, or long dinners with friends uh, where I yell at them about controversial topics. Those are the things that bring me joy. And probably some of you are looking at me like, I don't want to dance for seven hours. And that's the point of driving is you need to make your own list. Maybe that's reading a book for an hour. Maybe that's taking a walk. Maybe that's sitting down with your family and having dinner. It doesn't really matter what that thing is. Just make sure you figure out what yours is and you do more of it. And that's how you'll be a lot more better. Amazing. I uh, I love the idea. I, I don't have a basement, but I do have kitchen dance parties sometimes where I just dance around the, the kitchen. That's cool. I yeah, it's great. It's, cool. And actually, I find if I'm having a bit of an ugh day, um put some tunes on while I'm cooking and it instantly boosts my mood I quite often like have a little sing along as well so um but thing with dancing my dog thinks it's like a game so he tries to join in and then is which also is fun (laughs) but I yeah anyone who's not tried it might not be for you but I would recommend trying a little dance party um as a mood boost so then my my second question and, and I think you've already kind of covered this um is for yourself what you do to look after your mental well-being Right. So, so there's definitely the, you know, the dancing and all that stuff. But if I would add a more layer to that, I think what's given me the most, because I've never been depressed in my life and I don't think I'll ever be. And, and the reason is because I'm very clear on what I need to be doing with my limited time on earth. I've asked myself so many hard questions about life that I did a lot of the, I did a lot of that work. So basically the, the habit that I recommend people that nobody else talks about, which surprises me. It's not yoga, it's not meditation, it's not eating the right things. Oh, that's fine, but it doesn't solve the core issue, in my opinion. For me, the most important habit is ask yourself one hard question every single day about life. Let me get you started. What are you pretending not to know? 
you had all the money in the world, how would you spend your time? And if you die tomorrow, what would your funeral speech say about you? What these questions do, though hard to answer and painful for most who are listening, give you so much clarity in life that you won't even think you won't be even thinking about your mental health anymore. You'll be so focused on doing exactly what you want to do. You'll be so happy doing what you're supposed to do. You, that will be an afterthought. Like it is for me. And obviously there's the easy stuff. Like if you got negative people in your life, cut them out, right? Uh, and I'm happy to share my story. Like when I was a kid, my father was an alcoholic. And not many people know this, but you know, I stopped talking to him at the age of 16 until he passed when I was 23. And, I, and we lived in the same house for seven years. And I never talked to him until the last couple of days where he passed. You need to do whatever it takes to take care of your health or else you'll regret it long term. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And and I think some of the, the, the difficult questions, like you said, we we can avoid them because, <laughs> because they're difficult. Um, and sometimes these things that, that sound simple can be really challenging to do. Uh, but like you said, can be really effective for helping you uh, get that focus. So, yeah, thank you for that. And so my next question, sometimes a challenge, but we'll see because you've clearly done a lot of uh, kind of I don't know whether self-development is the right word, but we'll go with that, that kind of uh, stuff. Uh, so can you describe your mindset? Mm, that is a challenging question, even, even despite the work I've done. If I were to describe my mindset the best, it's um, if there's one word that describes it best, it's uh, always compete. Like for me, I'm a I'm very cutthroat competitor. I'm someone who who plays to win in everything that I do. I literally have 12 interviews today lined up that I'm just going back to back to back to back. Like I'm a nut job. So I think for me, mindset is um, going out there and doing my best work, going out there and proving that things can be done when people think is impossible and showing what's actually possible for people who care about these types of ideas that I have to share but can't afford me. So, so I'm very focused on getting the job done always. And I think that's the, probably the best way of describing my mindset if that worked, but feel free to follow up with another question. No, no, no. Well, uh, that's the beauty of the question that it's a lot of people haven't ever thought about it before. And so people come up with all kinds of different things, which makes it really interesting um, because it's also about how people interpret the word mindset. So it's really a very open question of what does it mean for you? What does it bring up? So yeah, perfect. Thank you for that. And so my next question, this is always one of my favorite ones to ask because we love to give practical ideas for people that they can try out. And I think we've already given a lot of uh, great advice um, about public speaking. But do you have one to three top tips that you can leave with us that we can try out? Yeah, I'll, I'll leave with one book recommendation, one life tip. So book recommendation is Thirst by Scott Harrison. For those of you who want to master public speaking, want to make a difference in the world. No better book to recommend than Thirst. The man's a genius and a savant in marketing, and he's done a lot of good in the world, so I recommend it. Life advice. I'll just leave you with one quote, which is my favorite one. Be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, that's totally fine. But if you made it this far in the conversation, I'm going to guess that you don't just want to live a normal life or else you want to be listening to this. So my advice is the only way to be great is to learn the art of insanity. Don't you find it odd that a 22-year-old kid started a YouTube channel, not on pranking, not on vlogs, not on comedy skits, but on public speaking and communication tips, and then at the age of 23, 
He started coaching CEOs, but at the same time is talking to on the mattress he sleeps on, lives in his mother's basement, doesn't own a car, doesn't plan on moving out of his mother's house till he's 30. Karaoke is in eight languages and dances alone in his basement for an hour a day. How do any of these decisions make any sense at all? And that, my friends, is the point. If all of the decisions you make make sense to the only person that matters, which is you, you're probably making the right decisions. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I love that idea of, yeah, that they only need to make sense to you, don't they? That, you know, and I think so often the decisions that we make often make sense to other people, but maybe if we're being honest with ourselves, don't make sense to ourselves. So yeah, that's a, that's a great reminder. Uh, and so then my last question is where people can connect with you. I know you've mentioned the YouTube channel, but if you can remind us of that, where can people find you if they want to work with you, all of that stuff? Absolutely. And so, so for those who want to check out the YouTube channel, it's Master Talk in one word. If you want to learn all of my communication tips over there. And if you want to send me a message directly, Instagram is always best. I'm at Master Your Talk. Awesome. Thank you. And we will absolutely link in the show notes uh, so that people can find you easily from there. Thank you so much, Brendan. I've, I've really enjoyed speaking with you today. And um, I might reconsider doing some videos on Instagram. We'll see. But definitely, uh, I really appreciate your advice and your perspective on, on life. Um, and thank you so much for, for joining us and sharing your wisdom with us. Such a pleasure to be here. That's terrible. Thanks again to Brendan for joining us. And it's so funny he talked about going back to his first video because actually that's what I did in last week's episode where I went back to our first ever podcast. And yeah, I'm pretty sure, well, I was a hot mess as well. <laughs> so I think uh, something I popped on Instagram Live to talk about this week actually was how that can actually be really beneficial to go back to that early stuff and appreciate the personal growth and the development that we've gone through. I know some people can find that they don't want to look back over things that they've recorded or listen to the sound of their own voice or, or that kind of stuff. It can feel awkward and a bit icky to um, to do that. But actually by going back and seeing that growth, particularly, I think sometimes when we're in it, we maybe don't appreciate how far we've come, how far we've grown and developed. And actually looking back, you can really see it. Um, and I definitely did. So I just I just thought that was um, interesting. And I'm saying this, uh, I'm recording this Saturday, so I haven't actually posted it yet. But <laughs> uh, Brendan's tip about the Instagram, uh, putting a little video out there saying who is on the show. I have recorded a video to introduce Brendan because I thought, well, we talked about it. I should do it. So I am going to post that tomorrow. So by the time you listen to this, that will have already happened. And depending on when you're listening to this, it may have disappeared. Um, but I think that's something I'm going to start trying to do when new episodes come out. I share them on my story. But yeah, doing little videos and uh, talking, li well, not live, but talking to you guys. I think I'm going to try and do more of that. And I guess the, the last thing that I wanted to share was to really say thank you to, again, to all of you for listening, for uh, all of the guests from the past 100 episodes. Um, and I actually had another message that, that came in that I really wanted to share um, an extract of. Um, so I won't share all of it because it was uh, posted uh, a friend on Facebook on our personal page. Um, and yes, but... 
This is a message from Nate, who is a friend of the podcast. I've been on Life Tips um, and he's coming on the Psyche Show uh, at some point, um, probably in June, actually, by the time uh, we've got a lot of interviews still to release and um, I've got some great new guests lined up to speak to. But uh, Nate said that the Psyche podcast uh, has really helped him through 2020 and currently taking him through 2021. He said, hearing from a mental health expert on a weekly basis and having befriended one. Wow, there's no better feeling in the world. And now the opportunity to be on Clubhouse conversations with her. Wow, I'll never forget having a blast with her in season four of Life Tips last year, learning about the UK and then just follow up months of connecting on Google. I've sent the show to a few people who need it and I'll be continuing to market it as the months go by. So a uh, massive, massive thank you to Nate. Um, and uh, I'm really glad that the show has been here for him and that it hopefully continues uh, to be here. And for everyone else listening, um, I hope that you feel the same, that we're, we're I don't know, a safe, a safe place in your week where I guess echoing back to what Anne Allen had said um, I read out last week that you're, we're not broken. We don't need fixing. Life sometimes is just it just gets on top of us. And you know, however you're feeling, hopefully by tuning in, it's a reminder to accept where you are, accept yourself as you are, and kind of start from that place. And it doesn't mean that sometimes we don't want to or maybe need to work on ourselves, but you're not broken. Um, and hopefully you get that same sense of support here. Um, I like being called a mental health expert. I'm not sure that's how I would describe myself, but I appreciate it. And yes, we are, or well, I am on Clubhouse, but yeah, the show. Uh, so if you are on Clubhouse and you want to follow me, connect with me, I am at H Stainer, H-S-T-A-I-N-E-R. That's my name. Uh, I'm on there. So I'd love to connect with you on there. And every now and then I'll be popping up hosting mental health type rooms uh, around well-being and having conversations around that so I would love to connect with some of you on there and have some conversations around that and I guess my my final final thing that I want to share um it being a kind of mental mental health mental well-being related podcast and language is something that we often talk about how different words have different meanings to different people and uh, Brendan's use of the term insanity and kind of I guess just noted that for some people that that word has very different meanings and I think for Brendan it's that being out of the box being a bit different and I guess just to acknowledge that for some people maybe that has it has a different a different meaning and a different connotation and that hopefully it's taken in um the spirit of, of how it's meant um rather than having caused offense yeah that is everything. I, I hope that you are feeling uh, inspired maybe to give some talks and, and share some of your own knowledge and passion for whatever it is that you have got going on in your life. And I think it does, well, as I said last week, it does become easier, I think, with practice as you get more used to putting yourself out there and talking about things. And particularly if you've got that really clear why you're having that conversation, if it's really much, really value-led and connected with something you're passionate about I think it makes it makes it easier if you actually care <laughs> about what you're talking about not saying you don't care about you know what you have to do for work but um yeah so thanks so so much for tuning in as I always say it, it means so much and uh, if you could rate review uh, and subscribe to the show so that you don't miss an episode uh, we have two a week 
sharing my thoughts and also those of our amazing guests who join us. And if you do find that the podcast supports you, I'm so, so glad. And um, please do share it with anyone else that you think would benefit from hearing what we're, what we're talking about on here. Um, as I said, we are currently uh, scheduling and recording new interviews with new guests. So if you do have a personal story uh, that you want to share or a topic you think we should cover, please get in touch and let me know. You can connect with me on any social media at Psyche Coaching, P-S-Y-K-H-E Coaching. Um, I really would love to hear from you. Uh, with all that, um, I hope you have a good couple of days until we chat on Wednesday. Take care of yourself, be kind to yourself, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now.